Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's deadline day, the best time of the year, unless you're a Pirates fan, because if you're a Pirates fan, this is the day where we just say goodbye to everybody we spent money on in the offseason, and we deal with either quad A players or prospects for the rest of the year. Good morning, and welcome to your Morning Bucket Joe for August 1st, 2023, Tuesday morning, first day of August, and the final day for trades to be completed in the Major League Baseball circuit. And not only that, Pirates also gearing up for a two-game homestand tonight, starting tonight, that is, against the Detroit Tigers. Jake Slobodnik here from Talk the Plank and Fan First Sports Network. It's been a while since we last chatted. Been dealing with a lot of things personally, including uh, my staycation and um, work-related things, but want to take some time today to talk about uh, the trade deadline, series tonight, and then my most recent experience at PNC Park. It's something you'll want to hear. We'll start with the experience because we want to start off on a good note. Uh, this past Saturday, I was at the second game for Yinzer Palooza, which was the David Bednar bobblehead. Did you know it plays Renegade? I didn't. How did they ever market that? But anyway, um, went to that game, got the bobblehead. Uh, I was I was there for probably about two hours beforehand. Got a picture with Bucko, the uh, Pirates, um, I guess, comfort dog, if you will. I don't know how else to describe it, but that's just what I'm going to call him for now. Um, while I was in line, met some incredible people, Sherry Coy and her husband. Um, I believe his name was Bob. He and I didn't talk too much. I mainly talked with Sherry. My girlfriend and I both talked with her, uh, just wonderful people all around. And then while we were in line, uh, Sherry introduced us to some people that she was talking to prior to our arrival. And unbeknownst to me, it was, um, it, it was a man named Sean and his son. They were from Jacksonville, Florida. They're up for the pirates game. They were up for Yinzer Palooza. And uh, they introduced, well, Sherry introduced me to Sean, 
And when we shook hands, he looked at me and said, Jake, you sound familiar. And, and normally the first thing I think of when somebody says that is, oh, that's not a good idea or that's not a good thing to hear. Um, but Sean said, are you part of Talk the Plank? And I said, yes. He, you know, he said, cool, I listened to you guys. And it was just a really cool moment altogether. So just wanted to start off this by saying shout out to Sean from Jacksonville, Sean and, your, and his son, really cool people. Shout out to Sherry and her husband, uh, met some wonderful people. You never know who you're going to meet. Uh, while you're at a Pirates game or really just out in general. Wasn't expecting to meet anybody new. Wasn't expecting to meet a listener of the show, of all things. Really cool moment. So shout out to you guys. You made the experience awesome. And uh, the game itself on Saturday was just electric. I know if you watched it on AT&T Sportsnet or even listened to it on the radio, that was one thing. But being at the game itself was something else. I lost my voice, sat near. Uh, I was in the nosebleeds, but a lot of Phillies and Pirates fans were intermixed. A lot of cool people were there. There was a guy with a Jolly Roger in my section, and uh, one of the things that I think his group of people started a G-Man Choi chant. It was the greatest thing as a fan was there because then Choi hits a double. He, he just had a great game offensively. And I think the cheering started by them was really cool. Um, met a couple Phillies fans. They sat beside us. Um, you know, we had a friendly competition back and forth. Every time the lead changed, you know, we'd get in each other's faces. Very friendly, though. Uh, at the end of the game, though, you know, we started talking about prospects and all that. Didn't get their name, but just wanted to show some love for them, too. They were really cool, really cool people, uh, these Phillies fans. Um, I know you only hear about, you know, the bad things that some people say, but the people I interacted with that are from Philadelphia that made all the way to PNC Park to watch the series, they're pretty cool. Uh, really cool to see the Phillies have their hometown crowd, you know, sort of follow them and take over ballparks. Um, I'm not going to get into the, you know, the inner workings of what it means to see half the stadium filled with competitor fans. Look, I'm just happy that the stadium was full and it was made for an electric night and the David Bednar entrance. Can we talk about that? The entrance for renegade was something else. They, they, they shut the lights off. I had to turn it on almost instantaneously afterward because he had to see where he was going first of all, but still, it was it was almost like a wild thing from major league experience uh the whole crowd was the whole ballpark was just electric once david bednar went and i think uh shelton wanted to use him a little earlier than normal but uh overall it was still a pretty cool night and the offense was just awesome i know i'm not here to recap saturday's game but just as a personal experience i've been to many pirates games in my life um, from the time I was a kid to now. And I got to say Saturday was probably uh, one of, if not the top game I've ever attended. I'm dead serious that it was just awesome to be there around awesome people, meeting people, meeting some listeners at the show, just overall amazing. So just wanted to start the morning bucket Joe with that little sentimental value thing. Um, and again, shout out to Sean, shout out to Sherry, shout out to all the, all you guys who I met on Saturday. You guys were awesome. Now let's get into some of the more negative side of things. Today's the trade deadline, six o'clock Eastern standard time around recording this. It's 10 o'clock in the morning on August 1st. So no deals have been made yet. Maybe by the time this comes out, there might be one that uh, is announced. But as of now, as of me recording this, there is nothing released. So we're going to talk about who's expected to be departed from the pirates. We'll start with the obvious. That's rich Hill. Um, a lot of teams are rumored to be in the mix for the 43 year old left-handed pitcher. Um, I'm optimistic that we might get a decent return for him. I don't know though. And I'll, I'll get into why I feel this way here in just a little bit, but, um, 
it's almost guaranteed that he's going to be traded. It's just a matter of when and to who. Um, not entirely sure who could benefit really from Rich Hill, and it's kind of hard to pinpoint Rich Hill with a with a competitor because. All season long, one of the things I've noticed is while Rich Hill can rack up strikeouts, he does leave some balls over the heart of the plate, and it does haunt him at times. But I mean, he does know how to mix pitches. He's you know been around the league multiple you know for a while now. Clearly, if he's forty three and still playing, um, he knows what some teams look for, what teams bring, and I mean the leadership value I think is good for any contending team. I'm not really sure who. Um, I, I, for some reason, I want to say the Orioles just because I feel like they could utilize that veteran leadership again with the younger team that they have, but I don't know who they could give up. See, that's the thing. I don't know what people are willing to give up for a 43 year old player who can rack up strikeouts, but really also lobs meatballs in there. You know, it's not like Rich Hill has a 118 ERA. He's got a, he's up there almost a five. And I, I don't know what to feel about it. There are days where he's really good, days where he's really bad. And teams aren't going to give up, aren't going to pay top dollar for that, especially if they're, you know, if they're in contention. They're going to try to keep their prized uh, prospects, prized players, and not give them away for a 43-year-old rental who could either injure, get injured at any time or retire next year. Um, I don't think the Pirates are going to get a player to be named later, but I just think they're going to get a lower-end prospect. Not really going to be, not a lot of promise in the MLB. Although I know Charrington is probably holding out for something that can be serviceable to the organization. I don't see it happening. I not especially not for Rich Hill. Now, hear hear me out on this. Austin Hedges is also rumored to be traded, and apparently a lot of teams are in the mix. Now, this is all according to John Heyman. I don't know how valid, how uh, truthful that that can seem to you. I don't. I'm not a big fan of Heyman, but he's really the only one that has been saying anything about Pirates players. Um, I know the Yankees are in a bit of a bit of a crunch right now with catching help. And there are some people down in AAA for the for the Yankees team that could be very valuable to the Pirates. And here's the thing: if we're not going to look for organizational need, and we're just going to look for you know whatever we can get best player possible for Austin Hedges, um, Esteban Floriel, I think would work great for the Pirates. I, I mean, I just I, he's buried in AAA. And if we took a flyer on Miguel Andujar, who's to say that we aren't going to take a flyer on Esteban Floriel as well? Now, the Yankees might not be willing to pay a lot for Austin Hedges just because he brings no offensive value, but I mean, if he if he's able to frame pitches and that's what they're going for, then they might be willing to pay a little bit more for Austin Hedges, but I see that as a very far-fetched idea, but I'm just, I, I don't know why, but I'm optimistic that we could get something solid for Austin Hedges, which is so weird for me because I don't like Austin Hedges all that much. I don't think he's that great of a baseball player, period. But if teams are looking for people who can frame pitches and whatnot austin hedges is your guy the only question is again how much will you be willing to pay for him gonna get this out there now i don't think david bednar is dealt i I just don't think so do i think the hometown aspect has a part in it absolutely i think if bednar was not from the pittsburgh area he would have been one of the first people off without a doubt i don't see i don't i can't believe we live in a world where paul seawald from the Mariners was dealt before David Bednar, considering Bednar is one of the most locked down relievers right now. Now I understand reliever volatility is a big thing. And you know, Bednar, if we keep him around, could come out next year and just absolutely have, you know, regress 180 degrees, but who's to say he can't improve as well. That's a thing. Like there's so there's a lot of people arguing about whether Bednar is worth keeping or not. And personally, I feel like we're, we're going to keep him just because he's from a local area. And again, if he wasn't, he would have been one of the first people dealt because you're not going to sign a closer to a long-term extension, let alone a reliever at all. Um, 
but I think we're going to keep him around because, you know, A, Charrington sees how much the city loves Bednar, how much the local community loves Bednar, and he sees that he can be a nice anchor to the Pirates bullpen. Plus, he's like the the main headliner guy in the Pirates bullpen right now. You know, you're not going to send Yerry De Los Santos out every ninth inning. You're not going to send Colin Holderman, who's also rumored to be traded, but I don't think they're going to trade him. Um, you're not going to send him out every ninth inning. Like, you look at the ninth inning and you see Bednar. Like, I know ninth inning closers have, you know, have gone by the wayside. That traditional role has gone by the wayside. But, you know, you, who else are you going to throw out there in the ninth? Bednar is your guy. And I don't think the Pirates are willing to part with that. Keller, that's intriguing. If reports are true that they lowballed him in terms of a contract extension, then maybe he is worth something. But I don't think they're going to get rid of him because, again, he's that if they're trying to build a solid rotation, then Keller can be that solid two, three guy. I don't think they're going to get rid of him. Basically, what I'm saying, people I don't say I don't think are going to get traded. Keller, Bednar, Holderman and G-Man Choi, too. I if they get rid of G-Man Choi and this isn't going to be an overreaction, I'll admit I was a little fiery when they traded Carlos Santana, but for all the wrong reasons. Um, I was mad when they got rid of Santana only because. Santana was having a better year offensively and defensively. He was pretty much just having a bad, a better year in general. And instead we get an 18 year old prospect who at the time had only 12 games of professional ball in him. I've already aired my claims about that. Maybe Severino's worth it, but okay. So you take away our best defensive first baseman in Carlos Santana, who was kind of just thrown there when G man Choi went or was hurt long-term. Um, so you trade G man Choi, who are you going to put at first the rest of the year? Connor Joe, who couldn't catch a you know a ball that was slightly out of his reach on, in Sunday's finale against the Phillies, that could have probably prevented the game from going to extra innings. I don't feel safe putting Car- Connor Joe there. If anything, Connor Joe being at first base the rest of the season would give me Michael Chavis vibes, maybe a slightly better Michael Chavis. I should say that, but I don't see him as a dependable first baseman for the Bucks. And if they call up Miguel Andujar, then. It's not even worth watching anymore. Sure, Andujar's raking in AAA, but that's all he is. He's a quad A player. He has yet to do anything in the major leagues. He's not going to do anything in the major leagues. I don't want to see him up in place of G-Man Choi when we know Choi can hit and play defense as well. They need to keep G-Man Choi, maybe extend him two to three more years just to keep him around as a solid first baseman for the Pirates, left-handed hitting first baseman. If you want to platoon Connor Joe with G-Man Choi, be my guest. Or even if you want to platoon Choi with Andujar, fine. But as long as you have a main, t- you know, a well-established first baseman in Choi there, that's fine with me. I don't want to see quad A players or outfielders turn first baseman as your primary resource. That's just me. Some people may think of it differently. I feel like as Pirates fans, we are just so conditioned to accept trades at this point that we're not even being logical with what is coming down the road. You know, I remember I got cooked because of my opinion on the Carlos Santana trade. Carlos Santana hit a home run in his first game for the Brewers. He was a well-established offensive threat for the Pirates. Now I understand, you know, you can't, you're not going to sign him for a long-term agreement, but again, he was a main cog at first base and he did it really well while Choi was hurt. Now imagine Choi gets hurt again. We're going to see Cho and Andujar probably. Unless... The main scheme of it is to either give Aaron Shackelford or Mason Martin a cup of coffee in the MLB, see if they can turn their careers around. I know that's a stretch, 
But bear with me here. I feel like that's where we're headed if G-Man Choi is traded. All right. Again, I got cooked with Santana. I'm not trying to be overdramatic here, but I do think we need to keep Choi just for the condition of the first base platoon. We need an established guy. Choi is on a hot streak hitting wise. So if we get rid of that, there goes another bat. We're pretty much regressing to last year's numbers. If we're trying to improve for now, improve to the future. We need to keep Choi. We need to keep some players. We don't need to always trade them, guys. We really don't. Let's think smart here. All right. Rant over. Pretty much to summarize, I think Hill and Hedges, without a doubt, are getting traded. I think we could get some decent returns for him. Nothing great. But Keller, Bednar, Hill, or Keller, Bednar, Holderman, and Choi are all safe. If one of those four is traded, the return better be exceptional. Looking forward to tonight. The Pirates still have a game to play. They got to play the Detroit Tigers. I mean, come on. Both of these teams are sellers for the end of the year. Do we really need to preview the series? Maybe we can. Who knows? Johan Oviedo goes against Matt Manning tonight. Pretty similar numbers aside from records, but that's that's irrelevant at this point. Um, I want to say give me the Pirates tonight. Oviedo at home. You know, I don't feel like he's threatened at all, and I think the Pirates are going to be fine. Detroit, uh, for Wednesday's game, the second of a of a two game set. This is Valdo Beto against Eduardo Rodriguez. I don't know. That's hard to say. I'm going to say, give me the Pirates if Rodriguez is traded. If he's not, then give me the Tigers for tomorrow. Pretty much, I say we're either going to split the two game set or we're going to go one and one. That's not bad. Again, hard to really just start previewing these series at the end of the year. Basically, just because. All these teams are in sell mode, just looking forward to next year. The season's pretty much a wash, so it's really hard to just talk about these series right now. So just a bare-bones preview, and uh, pretty much this Bucket Joe recapping my experience from Saturday, talking about the trade deadline, slight preview of tonight's series opener. That'll do it for this morning's Bucket Joe. I know it'll be in a little bit long, but so glad you made some time for me here today. My name is Jake from Talk the Plank, and for fans for Sports Network, check out Buck's Dugout as well, and subscribe to Talk the Plank on Apple Podcasts or wherever you may get your podcast. More New morning Bucket Joe coming out tomorrow, and we hope to talk about some trade deadline moves that benefit the Pirates, both now and in the long term. That'll do it for today. See you tomorrow. Tomorrow.